Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. If you will, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Today, as you can see on my lead sheet or on my screen here, we're this thought came to my heart as I was preparing for this weekend's message. I want to talk about when freedom reigns. That title can sound cliche. That title can sound a little bit like, okay, it's patriotic. And of course, I'm going to give you some stories here to support a little bit of that. But, but I believe that we as believers and we as Hermiston Assembly Church family, that God wants to lead us into a realm of freedom. Can you say Yes. And amen, can you say, a realm of freedom and liberty that we can enjoy all the promises that God has laid out in his word. In other words, when you read it, you can say through Jesus Christ, I can do this. In other words, that I can operate in this, that I can flow in this, that I, could be, uh, that I can express the glory and the presence of God through these promises. And, uh, and, and so when we, talk, when we talk about freedom, and I'm going to talk about it in the sense of our nation initially, but, but, when I, but when I talk about freedom, in other words, to have such liberty that when God says something or speaks something to your heart, that you don't have to question, can it be done, but when will it be done? Amen? In other words, you don't have to wonder, is that possible? Can that be accomplished? It's usually... It's like the man who ran, ran the four-minute mile. Until he ran and broke that four-minute mile, no one could believe that a human could run that fast. But within a few months, almost a dozen people ran a four-minute mile after that one man broke the record. And so God is looking for individuals who will walk in a realm of freedom that maybe in human terms breaks records, but in God's terms, he's saying, you know what? This is exactly what I created you for. This is what I raised you up for, for such a time as this. I want you to walk in my freedom, my liberties. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then I'm going to read verse 13, the first part of it. You can look at the screen, or you can open up your app or your, your physical Bible. But I want you, I'm going, to, I'm going to look at chapter 5 at large before this is over with, so I really would encourage you, if you have a Bible app or a physical Bible, or go sit next to someone who does, um, I want you to follow with me as I go down through this chapter, but I'm using verse 1 and verse 13 as my headstone chapters here. And it reads this way. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 13, the very first part of it. For you, brothers, have been called to liberty. For you, brothers, have been called to to liberty. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. You've been called to walk free in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, as we, as we, as we look at this passage here this morning, 
um, I'm, of course, reminded, this is the 4th of July week, and, and reminded of the fact that we live in a country of freedom. Um, but back at the inception of it, it wasn't so free. Uh, at the time, Britain was the world superpower. Uh, Britain, and I'm talking about Britain and America at the time, back in the 1700s, Britain and had the better defense and more money than America at that time. Thirteen colonies, they lacked an army or a navy. There were militiamen who were lightly armed and had little training. And if you look at the, if you remember the Second Continental Congress in, in the year 1776, if you were part of that, you were labeled a rebel and considered to be a traitor to the king. And so you knew, if you were one of those men, you knew that a reward had been posted for the capture of rebels, these rebel leaders. And the largest British armada was assembled at the same time outside of New York Harbor. And when they began to look at writing up and signing the Declaration of Independence, these men realized that they were putting their life, their fortune, even their honor on the line for the cause of freedom. And yet, yet these members signed that document. There were 56 men who signed off on the Declaration of Independence. And they knew that once they did that, that they were going to be highlighted as a rebel, the enemy of the king, someone to be taken down. There were two men, though, you probably never heard of these guys because they didn't sign the Declaration. Two men, John Dickinson. John Dickinson was one of those people who did not sign the Declaration of Independence. He thought that things could get better. He thought we can reconcile with Britain. He thought things would, would, would get better. Then there was another man named Robert Livingston who did not sign this Declaration of Independence. He thought it was too premature. He's like, well, can't can we postpone this? This is too early. Can, do we have to do this right now? Do some of these same thoughts cross the minds of people who are determining whether to walk in freedom versus bondage? Following Christ versus following the world? You see here? There are several spiritual implications you can see in the struggle that was going on in the birth of our country. On July 4th, 1776, 56 representatives from 13 colonies signed this Declaration of Independence. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence included two future presidents, three vice presidents, 10 members of the, of the Congress. This was the cost of freedom. What was happening here was that the Declaration of Independence, by signing off on that Declaration of Independence, they were separating themselves from their own past. They were separating themselves from what they had known. And they were taking a risk, wondering what is this new freedom going to look like? What, how is it going to feel? Think about the Civil War. In fact, you had the initial war between England and, America, and, and the Americas. Then you had the Civil War, which to this date has claimed more lives than all the American wars combined. Over 900,000 Soldiers were killed, almost a million soldiers killed in battle during the Civil War. There were, but at the conclusion of that Civil War, there was a dilemma. Keep in mind, 
It was brother fighting against brother, neighbor against neighbor, family against family. You had to pick sides. Of course, the, the, one of the pivotal points of the Civil War was that it was all about freedom. Freedom for who? Freedom from the, for the slaves. Slavery was about to be uh, wiped out as a result of it. It would, it, it would take decades to be totally understood or appreciated, but the Civil War meant the freeing of the slaves. And so now we have free slaves with a dilemma. What's the dilemma? Most of them have been slaves all of their lives, and now they have the question on their mind, now what do we do? How do I live my life free? People who have not been in freedom and having been set free think to themselves, now what? Maybe you remember the day you were born again. You had lived so long under the thought that this is as good as life gets, or that there is no one who loves me, or there's no one who really cares, or there's, or there's no hope in sight. And all of a sudden, Jesus entered your picture. He stepped into, he crossed paths with you. He began to speak to your heart. And in one moment, you said, Lord, I give you my life. I lay it down. I'm going to sign my name to the, to, the, to, to the proverbial document saying, I want to be saved. And at that moment, you became born again. And all of a sudden, everything in your heart and mind began to change. What were you experiencing? You were experiencing freedom. You were experiencing liberty. Let me say it this way. Freedom can be a little bit unnerving, can't it? Do you hear where I'm going? Do you see where I'm going with this? When you're so used to having the rules and saying you do it this way, this way, this way, and this way, and all of a sudden now... It's not about the rules. It's about the relationship you have with Almighty God. Even as a person growing up in church, I'm 48 years old. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was eight years old. Doesn't mean I haven't made mistakes in the meantime. But yet that was when I first came alive in Jesus Christ 40 years ago this year. And, and how many of you know that even growing up in the church myself, it's easy as a church person to take on rules and regulations, and expectations, and false ideas about who God is. And then you struggle and you wrestle because, you know, rules are familiar. Just tell me what to, have you ever had anybody just, have you ever walked up to anybody when it comes to living the Christian life and just say, just tell me what to do? Just tell, what do I do next? How do I live next? And yet we have, the Bible says, God the Holy Spirit living in our lives we have a relationship now with Jesus that he, Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, he is now saying, listen, if you'll live unto me, you, will, you won't have to worry about the law. If you live in relationship with me, if you live in intimacy with me, you won't have to worry about it. Just the other day, I, my wife and I and the kids went out, we went up to Immigrant Springs Park and, and uh, whenever I go out to the woods, I always have, I don't know, for whatever reason, I guess because I, when I was a kid, I grew up in the Boy Scouts. I didn't know Royal Rangers. I wasn't familiar with Royal Rangers at the time. I grew up in the Boy Scouts. So anytime I go to the woods, I always like to take my Boy Scout manual. Seriously. And the Bible, you know. The Bible and the Boy Scout manual. That's all you need to know everything about life, right? Well, what happened was I had picked up this 1956 edition several years ago. 
And, 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 and I pull it out while we're having a picnic up at Immigrant Springs a couple days ago. And my kid's like, oh my goodness, dad, seriously, are you going to read from the, from that book, you know? And, and I'm like, Hey, there's some interesting things here. And we start talking about the American flag and, and and the things that it meant. The 13, the original American flag had 13 stars and 13 stripes representing the 13 original colonies. I think there's a song written about that. And, and, uh, and when Betsy Ross created, she was the one who came up with the idea of put, using stars, not just stripes, but stars to represent states. And in her mind, it represented a new constellation, a new country, a new constellation. Do you realize that when, that when you were born again in God's eyes, you became a new constellation to him? You became a new facet of his creation. You were born again. You, uh, the Bible says he knows every star by name. He knows you by name. And so when it comes to uh, understanding liberties, when it comes to walking in liberty, I want to share with you a few things. Number one, in order to walk in liberty in Jesus Christ, we have to separate ourselves from our past. We have to separate. You're not going to find it on the screen today, but just follow with me. You're going to have to separate. If you're taking notes, I encourage you, take these notes. Take these points I'm giving you. You have to separate yourself from your past. Paul said in verse 1, he goes, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not, and this is the kicker, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Entangled means to be snared, to be tricked, to be deceived. What was happening was that, that Paul had helped to establish this new church in Galatia. And in establishing it, he had left it. He went on to, to help other churches. And some individuals came into that church. He doesn't know who they were. He can't call them by name. But he knew somebody was coming in saying, you know what? Freedom, there's more to it than that. And they began to impose, they began to convince the new believers who were experiencing freedom, they, he began to say, you know what, you need to add this to it. If you're going to make it to heaven, you got to do this and you got to do that. And, and these are the rules. And, and Paul was saying here was, he says, don't entangle yourself again with a yoke, with a bridle, with, with, with laws. Don't entangle yourself. Don't be weighed down again, but rather stand firm. In other words, recognize the freedom that you have. You know what? I th this phrase, this, this word came to me as I was reading the scripture. It says, stop being entangled with every yoke of slavery. That the enemy never lets go easily, does he? Talking about the devil. You know what? He, he you know, you probably didn't even know there was a devil until you got saved. You probably didn't realize what battle was being waged over your life over your constellation, over your future. But we see here that, that the enemy, he doesn't like to give up easily. And, and, and the lie that he likes to feed the church of Jesus Christ is, and this is the line, he said it at the day, he said it the day that Adam and Eve bit the apple. This is the lie he says. He says, did God really say? Did God really set you free? Does he really love you? Does he really have a plan for your life? These are the questions that he'll propose. But he says, but if you come back to me, hey, I got it taken care of. We'll have good times again. 
So many individuals who are born again, and when you see people coming to the altar Sunday after Sunday, realize this, that they are experiencing freedom for many of them for the very first time. And the enemy is waiting at the door to say, did you really get set free? And that is where we, the body of Christ, we need to come alongside these freedom fighters. We need to come alongside these individuals who've just been birthed into the kingdom and say, listen, there is a freedom in Christ and we want to show you what it looks like. Because I think that a lot of times we, even as believers, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it feels like. It was a couple years ago, and I've shared this before. I hadn't shared it for a while, and I'll just refer to it briefly. But it was around 2012, I had entered into an extended time of just prayer and, and fasting with the Lord. And, and it, was not, it was only in the, into the third day of it that the Lord spoke a word over me, and it was a word of freedom. It was a word we use in the Bible called jubilee. And, and for whatever reason, I didn't know what had taken place in my heart that day, but all of a sudden, something changed in me. I felt like I had become born again, again. Has anybody ever had that experience? Where it's like, you know, you've been, you've been faithfully serving God, you've been walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, but, you, but yet something is not quite, you know there's more, but you can't seem to lay your hands on it. You don't know what it looks like, you don't know what it feels like. You've experienced a measure of freedom, but yet there is yet more freedom. The Bible says, talking about Jesus, it says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. Legally speaking, we are all free as a bird. Legally speaking, we are all free from sin and bondage, condemnation, fear, uncertainty. We are free of it. But it's a matter of whether we are walking in it. And I remember sitting in my car, I walked out one day after church, and my wife and I were in the van just right outside this front door, and we were just kind of talking about how the day went, how, how it was seeing everybody. And, and, and uh, I can't remember the exact details of the conversation, but all I could tell her was this. I said, you know what? Something in me is different. I just can't tell you what it is yet. I can't explain it. Because sometimes freedom doesn't make sense, does it? You don't know, you know, it's like, what do you do next? What comes now? I thought I knew God, but now all of a sudden I've seen God in such a way that I, that I don't even know what I, the more I, let's just say it this way, the more I know God, the more I know less about God. Amen? You think you know God? We know nothing about God. We know nothing about his fullness, his blessing, his provision. And yet he looks to us as children, he's like, hey, I've, I have all of this for you. It's free. So often, people, we come to church and we hear the preacher preach or we hear the singing and we enter into worship and we walk out and we're still the same. I read this story about a, a parable told of a community of ducks waddling off to duck church on a Sunday to hear their duck preacher after they waddled into the duck, duck, duck sanctuary, the service began and the duck preacher spoke eloquently of, of how God had given ducks wings with which to fly. And he pounded the pulpit with his beak and said, with these wings, there is nowhere we ducks cannot go. There is no God-given task we ducks cannot accomplish. With wings, we no longer need to walk through life. We can soar high in the sky. Shout, shouts of amen were quacked throughout the duck congregation. 
The duck preacher concluded his message by exclaiming, with our wings, we can fly through life. We can fly. More ducks quacked with a loud amen in response. Every duck loved the service. In fact, all the ducks that were present commented on what a wonderfully convicting message they heard from the duck preacher. And when they left the church and waddled all the way home, what's the application? Too often we waddle away from worship and we're the same. We're the same. We, we shout amen. We say, preacher, preacher. And yet when we walk away, we're no more free than when we came in. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a freedom that Jesus, and, 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 it, and it's something that, it, well, number one, it's free. Someone paid the price, Jesus Christ. But it's whether or not we will enter into that freedom, whether we will accept the truth that he says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. I have for years preached and quoted scriptures about it, but even for many years myself was not experiencing that kind of freedom. Does that make it any less true? No. The Word of God stands. It is true whether I'm experiencing it or not. Whether I believe it or not, whether I'm seeing it or not, this Word is still true. And so we as believers, maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, you know, I come and do the thing, I come and do the worship, I come and, and pray and seek the Lord, and yet I walk away, I feel the same when I walk away. I'm here to tell you this morning, keep believing, keep moving, keep just saying, Lord, I don't understand. In fact, it's when you come to the place, it's like Abraham. Abraham was able to birth a son when he gave up. When he got to the end of himself and said, you know what, God? I can't do this. You know what, God? This is, you know, I have no more joy, no more peace. I can't do this. And it's when we will give up that God says, okay, here's your freedom. Because it's not you, it's me. Amen? It is through Jesus Christ. And so in order to, to walk in freedom, we need to take the word and stand firm on it. Maybe you've been saved for 50 years, or maybe you've been saved for five weeks. As Paul says it here, stand fast. This is my second point. Stand fast on the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Amen? Number one, we have to separate ourselves from the past. The first colonists realized they were cutting themselves off from England. They were cutting themselves off from their heritage. They realized they were going to be considered a rebel. Your friends, might, you might, your friends might look at you as a rebel against the world, but you have to cut it off. You can't play the world one day and play, God, play for God on the next day. God is saying, it's all or nothing with me. And not only do we have to cut it off, but we need to stand in that liberty. Number three, when we love one another by serving. This is the third way, and, and Paul talks about it in verse 13. For you, you brothers have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through, one, but, but through love serve one another. In the culture we live in, it's all about self. We take our selfies, we read our self magazine, we look at ourselves in the mirror, 
We, we, we like to, we like to, inev- you know, we like to talk about ourselves. We like to, we like to tell people our story. But we see here, and one of the codes or one of the models that we have at Hermes Assembly is that, what, save people? Serve. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And Paul says here, if you want to experience, if you want to know the liberty and the freedom, do it not only by, stand, not only by cutting off the past and standing firm on the promise, on the promise but also love each other by serving one another. Serving one another. In verse 15, he says here, he goes, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. He was, he was dealing with a lie that had crept into the church. And what was happening was is that, that, that the bondage that was coming into the church again was causing them to fight among themselves. The picture here really is this. He says, you're becoming cannibals. You're eating each other alive. You're having each other for lunch. You're talking about each other. He says, and in doing so, you will be consumed by one another. That's what sin does. It destroys. It destroys. And fourthly, and this is one of my major points here today, fourthly, when we live according to the spirit of liberty, and not for self. Verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desire or the lust of the flesh or self. Paul's painting a positive picture here of the possibility of living and overcoming life in Jesus Christ. And this is the thing about it, though, that the key to it is the Holy Spirit. When you accepted Christ into your heart and life, The Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit, came in. And when he came in, he is now, he is what the Bible calls the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of Jesus. And when he comes in, he dwells there. In fact, Jesus even said in John chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Verily I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. So you have something that happens here. Every one of us have been born of water. What does that mean? You've been birthed into this world. But not everybody is born again. It is being born again that you're born into the Spirit. And when you're born in the Spirit, you can then begin to live in the Spirit. Can you say yes? And so we have three factors going on here. We have the old nature, we have the Holy Spirit, and then we have our own will. And it's up to us whether we will allow ourselves or we will submit to God the Holy Spirit. What happens when we don't submit to God the Holy Spirit? If you have your Bibles open to that chapter, you can begin reading it in verse 19. The Word says, and see, this is the thing, and what I'm about to read to you are what the world calls freedom. And then I'm going to read to you what God calls freedom. So follow along with me. This is what the world calls freedom. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, 
drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Paul was saying, and I could go on. That's basically what that means. Of which I tell you beforehand, as I've, just as I've told you in past time, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The world says these things are freedom. What's, what it, let, me, let me define some of them again. For those who don't know, adultery. Some would say, you know what, I have the, you know, I'm, an, I'm an American, I'm free to do what I want. If I want to sleep with another man's wife or another woman's man, I have the freedom to do that. That's what the world says is freedom. Fornication is simply having intercourse, having sex outside of a marriage. That has even crept into the church where it is so commonplace all the way from petting to the ultimate end of consummation. Everything in between is called fornication. Does that make sense? I had one pastor the other day said, Terry, we have to redefine what is sex. Sex uh, in today's terms can be everything up to consummation. Uh, and people can say, well, I haven't done anything wrong. And yet the words in, in the world will tell you that it's all right. The world will say, this is your freedom. This is your liberty. But the world does not realize, and to the believer, we don't realize that it's actually what Paul was warning us against. It is bringing us back into bondage. It is tying a noose around our neck. It is forfeiting the benefits and the freedoms and the pleasures that God has prepared for those who come in holy matrimony. And so it's the idea of respecting our own bodies as well as respecting the ones who we're gonna give our bodies to when we get married. Paul says here, this is, and this talks about our own life. And then there is uncleanness. In other words, all the emotional garbage all the stuff that you see people blasting on social media, just unloading their emotional baggage. Paul says, you know, one person told me one time years ago, uh, it was a believer actually, they had posted something and I private messaged them. I said, listen, you know what? That's not really a good thing for you as a believer to be broadcasting, to be saying. And immediately they came back at me and they said, my, right, my, my face page, my right. We have no rights. In fact, if anything, those are bondages. I know I'm talking serious tones here this morning, but these are some common things that the church has been convinced is, is free or freedom, and they are not. Paul says they're actually leading you back into bondage, lewdness, which is, which is just uh, immorality out of control. Then there is there, our life with God. Verse 20, the word says idolatry and sorcery. In other words, when we make things more important than God, trinket gods, thing hang, hang, the, whatever hangs off your mirror or around your neck or, or, or it, things that you, that you commit to. I was listening to an old preacher just a few days ago, and he says, in the day that we live in, we spend more time on social media than we do with, in the presence of God. And we call that freedom. We call that liberty. 
And yet God is saying here, there is a freedom that you can enjoy, but you've got to separate yourself. You've got to stand firm on the promises of God. And then you've got to love each other. When we're committing these kind of sins, we are not serving one another. Can I get a good amen on that one? When we're not, these are the opposite of love. This is the opposite of the Holy Spirit. This is the opposite of freedom. Paul here, the whole chapter is all about standing fast in your freedoms. And yet he gives us a list of everything that will steal freedom from the life and heart of every believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? We can say, well, the world's doing this. Well, they don't know any better. They don't, they don't, they don't know the distinction. They have not seen or had a revelation of the awe and wonder and grace of God. They do not recognize the difference between holiness and purity and the, and the world and sin and death. Does that make sense? There is a distinction here. And Paul is saying that if you're going to walk in freedom, you have to love one another by serving one another. And these things here, listen, verses 19 through 21, are the opposite of loving one another. He goes on to talk about hatred. In other words, hostility one toward another. Contentions, quarreling, cutthroat competition, um, the book of Psalms talks about the seven deadly sins, and one of them is, a, is that, that, that it, those individuals who sow discord, dropping gossip here and there, having a bag of seed and just kind of dropping a seed here and there in conversations, phone calls, texts, whatever it is. Sowers of discord. Paul says here, contention will only lead you to bondage. Jealousies, an all-consuming yet never-satisfying desire. Wanting something that someone else has. Outbursts of wrath. In other words, a temper. Selfish ambitions. The inability to love and be loved. Use, use uh, uh, strife it comes out of this. Uh, dissensions. Talking about divisions even. Uh, and I'm not talking about just divisions in the church. I'm talking about divisions in the home. Some of you are, some of, some of you, and I'm not called, I don't know, every, I don't know everybody's lives in this, in this room, but I'm sure and I'm certain because I know what, I know what is, I know what the warfare that's going on for the family. But there are some family members here today that I'm sure when you go home, it's like walking into hell itself. You say, you know what? I don't have to go to hell. I'm living in hell right now. My marriage is broken. My kids are on the rocks. Uh, we don't even talk. Everybody goes to their respective bedrooms and shuts the door, and that's the end of it. There is a division in the home. God says, that is not the freedom that I have for you. Heresies. In other words, the enemy wants to get you off track from the truth. Heresy is, an is, is something that opposes God's word. Envy. Murders drunkenness, revelries. In other words, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Things that are out of control. We have to make a choice. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further, further darkened when 
an investigation revealed the cause revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like the radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. By the time they came to their senses, it was too late, and hundreds of people died. You may say, well, you know what? What I do doesn't hurt anybody. You don't realize there are casualties as a result of what we do. There are people that can make heaven or miss heaven because of what we do. Moms and dads, our kids can make heaven or miss heaven because of what we do. Fr peers, friends, boy, girl, man, woman, your friends, your coworkers could make heaven or miss heaven because of what we do. If we are, this is the thing, when a person is walking in such freedom, people are attracted to that freedom. They'll come to you during lunch break and say, tell me something, why are you different? What's going on in your life? Why, you know, you just got bawled out by the boss and yet you walk away smiling. You walk away at peace. Uh, you messed up on an assignment or, or you, didn't, you didn't follow through or you dropped the ball on a certain project, whatever it is, and yet you remain at peace. And then there's the fruit that comes when we yield. So the idea is that we either yield to the flesh or we're going to yield to the spirit. The flesh is stubborn. It doesn't want to yield, but I promise you this, you have been set free of the flesh. Amen? The word says you've been set free. Whether you know it or not, you've been set free. And when you yield to the Spirit, this is what happens. There's love. There's joy. What's joy? Delight in God and exuberance for life. There's peace. There's the opposite. What's the opposite of peace? Dread and fear. Some people are walking the streets of the city in fear. The spirit of fear. Dread. But when you walk in the spirit, there is no dread. There is no terror by night. But you have confidence in an all-sufficient God that comes from the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. You could be facing trouble on every side and yet be at peace. You could be facing circumstances on every side and yet be at calm because you know that God is on your side. Amen? Long-suffering. In other words, being patient with people. How many times do we lose our patience? We're like, you know what? I'm done with him. <laughs> I can't take no more. And yet the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Kindness. In other words, it's our demeanor. It's how we approach our attitude toward other people. Goodness. A conviction that a basic holiness permeates things, and people. It carries the idea of generosity toward other people. I want to be at a place in my life where on every occasion I can be generous. Generous with my emotions, generous with my love, generous with my resources, generous with, my, with whatever I can do to help the individual, help individuals. That is a byproduct of freedom. That is a benefit of freedom. Faithfulness, 
being loyal to a commitment, gentleness. You don't have to force your way through life. It gives the idea of a reed blowing in the wind. It just bends and comes right back up. You don't have to stomp the door down. You don't have to say, I'm, I'm the boss here. But rather, you know that God is in control. And then self-control, the ability to direct our energies and our, our hearts and minds in the right direction. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you enjoying freedom? I'm going to ask you musicians if they'll come and join me. They're going to sing a song as we close here in a few minutes, a song of worship. But the first thing you have to do is this, and as the lights come down, the first thing you have to do is this, to enjoy freedom is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior.